Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Did anybody here notice a pattern in, in this uh, chapter? Anything that uh, strikes you as uh, obvious? 176 verses, all of them except for five, have a specific reference to the Word of God. We just read the longest chapter in the Bible, and it only took like 15 minutes. 176 verses. This is a Bible class. What better than Bible, Bible, Bible? And it's all about the Bible. So, there you have it. It's all about the Bible. It's important. It's almost right in the middle of your Bible. Did anybody ever uh, here grow up in a church where they had sword drills? You know what a sword drill is? You know, they, uh, uh, you, what's that? The full armor of God. That's right, the full armor of God. But this usually for the younger kids, uh, uh, you, you'd have your Bible, it'd be completely closed, and the pastor would say, uh, Romans 8, 28, and you'd have to fiddle through and find it. And, uh, you know, of course, if, if he caught something out of the Psalms, well, you knew, boom, you were right in the middle. You, you flip it open and you could find the Psalms. The Psalms are central, and this 176th Psalm is uh, just such a glorious attestation to the value of the Word of God. Here's a couple of uh, literary notes about this. Uh, the, the number eight has a place in this Psalm. Each of these 22 sections, all each for a letter in the Hebrew alphabet, all have eight verses, and there's eight special names for God's Word that are listed, eight symbols of the Word of God are given, and the believer has eight responsibilities to the Word. How about that? Don't you just love these coincidental things that just happen to... Gee, what a coincidence! No. Now, there's a whole thing. You may or may not be aware of uh, uh, biblical numerology, but it's a thing. It's a whole thing, how they do studies of like the, the number 10, <clears throat> you know, the Ten Commandments, there's that number 12, you know, 24, and uh, the number 8, which I didn't know until I was doing the research for this, uh, 8 is a number of new beginnings. It's as though the writer is saying, as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, quote, God's Word is enough. If you have the Scriptures, that is all you need for life and godliness. And that's a good thing. The fact that we have it, that we can read what we read about what we read all the time, this is just really, really uh, thrilling. And if, if you love the Bible, you have to love this 119th Psalm. And uh, I was wondering how long it would take to read through it, and 15 minutes or less. It was really good. Now, I want to ask you, uh, you personally, if you had a psalm uh, a verse in this chapter that's one of those verses that really rings a bell for you. Or maybe it rung the bell as we were reading through here. Chances are we have several different translations. I was reading out of the Old King James, uh, but I noticed that, you know, that's the wonder and even the glory of multiple translations because they're all on the target and you could get many facets. It's like when you take a diamond and you turn it slowly and the light hits it. You know, it sparkles and shines in different ways. The Word of God is like that. And when we have different translations, it might translate it a little bit differently, but we're still on the paper, so to speak. Like if we're talking about a target, you're shooting on a rifle, you know, you want to be on the paper so you know which way to adjust. So it's a good thing to have uh, these uh, variations. Now, anybody 
have a, 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 a verse that, as we read it, or maybe it's been your lifelong favorite, because I got one I'm going to share with you. Yes, sister. 105. I love that one, too. <laughs> uh, a lamp and a light. We don't know where to go unless we have the light of the word. Very good. Anybody else have a, a, a favorite one that rung a bell on our way through this? One twenty-six. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Man, I wish somebody in Washington would hear that. But uh, <laughs> you know, when they, I, I was talking to Tom before the uh, lesson started, you know, the Lord didn't tell us in His Lord's Prayer. Oh, straighten out these morons in, in government. I mean, the Lord didn't say, oh, these horrible Caesars, what a horrible Roman government. We were. He said, pray for God's invisible kingdom. Politics we can see. God's kingdom is invisible and eternal. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This is what he tells us to pray for. Anything else? Anybody have a bell ringer in these, out of these 176 verses, 171 of which are specifically about the word of God? Verse 24 in the 119th Psalm. 118. Yes, that is a good one. Yes, 118. 118, that was trodden down all them. Okay. Yes. The last one. Amen. All of you sheep say, Amen. <laughs> Hopefully there are no goats in here. <laughs> this is a sheep, sheepfold here. <laughs> We're not running a goat operation. <laughs> At least not on purpose. <laughs> Anything else? Anybody else? Tom, you got one that rings a bell? I have a bunch of them underlined. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Amen. You know, we Bible people are like this. We identify with verses like this. I mean, we really, our whole life, our philosophy of life, our thinking is formulated and hopefully continually governed by the eternal Word of God. That's why every time we come to church, we want to hear more of this. When Bob, Mitchell, Becky, whoever's preaching, tell me something out of here that's going to help me where I'm at. This is what I need. I need Bible. I'm a sheep, not known for sharp intellect, wisdom and discernment. I need the wisdom and discernment of the Word of God. Anything else? Yes, Haley. Which one? 90. 90. Read it. Amen. His faithful endureth. You know, one of our favorite hymns in our church was, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. Ah, oh, God's faithfulness is great. And it's declared repeatedly in the word of God. We having fun yet? Is this good? Anything else? Anybody? Come on, jump in. Get a piece of this action. Yes. I have two that I 
Read both of them. What number verse is that? Amen. You know, there's uh, affliction is men mentioned in verse 75. And when we get finished, I, I want to share a verse that's been very uh, comforting and significant in, in uh, my personal experiences. But I want to hear from you first. Any other uh, verses? Chuck, you got anything? Come on, you must have 10 or 12 that you like out of here. Anybody? I have a question. Yes. What 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 number verse was that you're talking about? Uh, that is 109. 109. Okay. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forsake thy law. Now, like I said, I'm reading out of the original. 81? Read it, Chuck. Amen. Man, this is good stuff, isn't it? Anybody else? Yes. Amen. <laughs> it is my only hope. Man, isn't that the truth? Can we trust in anything else? You know, we're, we're naturally tuned into politics and what we think is happening. <laughs> what we're seeing is not good. But when our faith and our hope and our trust is in the steadfastness of God's faithfulness, his law, statutes, commandments, all the things that he has, it's, uh, it keeps us from twisting off. <laughs> Twist, twisting off, that's, a, that's an oil field term. When you get, you're drilling for oil, and you get between a rock and a hard spot, and you'll twist the bit off, actually. You just twist it off. And people, emotionally, they twist off. It's because life is brutal. Anybody else have anything? Yeah, sir. Oh, oh man. Amen. I, I got to tell you, as a former prodigal son, verses like that used to drive me nuts. <laughs> it's hard to be a prodigal <laughs> when your mother and father are giving you the word of God every which way all the time. And your mother reminds you, you're named after the Apostle Paul and King David. That's the best of the old and the best of the new. <laughs> it makes it very hard to go out and transgress <laughs> with this Biblical heritage hanging over my head. I did it. I'm not proud of it. You got to fight your way through that conviction. You could shake it off, but you really got to work at it. But thank God. Oh, and I mean this as serious as it could possibly be. Thank God that he did not forsake me and cast me off when he certainly 
could have and had the right to. Anybody else have anything? A verse. Yes. 14. Isn't that the truth? Anything else? Yes, Nancy. 151. Yes. He is near. And all his commandments are truth. And, and, and we forget that. Because we have an evil spiritual adversary whispering in our ear all the time. He forgot you. He doesn't know where you're at. He doesn't care about you. His word isn't true. You know, that was the first lie told in the Bible. Remember when uh, the serpent came to Eve? Did God really say that? That first question looks like a snake. Uh, this was from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what we just read in this 119th Psalm is primarily about the Word of God. Everybody knows this, right? Get it over here where everybody can see this. Can everybody see this over here? Chuck, can you see this? <laughs> what it is, what it does, and what we do with it. Now, I've told you before, and let me tell you again, Ron Baker has been assisting in all of these studies. He sends me commentary notes, and he sent me this outline right here. It's from a Warren Wiersbe outline. And uh, all of these things, I didn't have time to write them all, and I figured, you know, you're not going to do all this writing. But if you want a copy of this, which I have here, and I have it in more detail, you know, water for cleansing, and I have scripture references of the Psalms, if you want this, email me, and if I can, with my special needs computer skills, <laughs> figure out how to cut and paste and email it back to you, I will do that. And you'll have all three of these things about the 119th Psalm saying what it is. It's water for cleansing. It's treasure. It's songs to sing. It's honey. <laughs> it's a lamp, a light. All these things. And uh, in fact, there's even a couple more that I didn't have time to write down here. What it does, it blesses, it gives us life, liberty, wisdom. Wisdom you can't get in book learning and secular education. Wisdom will help you with what you know, but wisdom is a gift of God. You can be severely uneducated and yet be a person of wisdom if you lean on the Lord, and you'll be better off than a PhD with no wisdom. I remember someone said one time uh, about some of these liberal theologians, he said, I'd rather be in heaven learning my ABCs than in hell praying in Greek for water to cool my tongue. <laughs> you could be highly educated and still end up in the wrong place. Okay, it gives life, liberty, wisdom, friends. And like I said, there's, there's uh, verses that uh, are... Uh, that go with all this if you wanted to do this. And, you know, it's, a, it, 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 it's just a short little thing, but you could fold this up and stick it in your 119th Psalm, and when you're talking to people and you want to brag about the Word of God, it'll just, it'll give you kindling to get the fire started, which is what we want to do. We want to fire people up about the... Am I right about that? Wouldn't you like to convince people how valuable the Word of God is? We understand that some people do not have eyes to see, they don't have ears to hear. You might as well be quoting the 119th Psalm to a German shepherd. And they'll just, they, they look at you, it just doesn't hit. 
I don't know how that's possible, but that's, that's what people of the word and people of the book think. That's how we act. How can you not see these things? How can you ignore what's in the word of God that's so plain, that's so rich? Anybody here get goosebumps when we were reading through these? I mean, this is a goosebumper <laughs> chapter, if there ever was one. It encourages and, and builds us up, gives us friends, comfort, direction. Anybody need here direction? Here it is. It's in the Word of God somewhere. What do we do with it? We love it. We prize it. We study it. We memorize it. We trust it. We obey it. And we declare it. You notice, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And we boldly declare it. Now, I grew up, like some of you, in a Christian home where I was, tra I, I can't tell you when I first uh, registered that the Bible was true. But I grew up, my mother was a Sunday school teacher, my father was a deacon and, and uh, 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 a treasurer of, of, a, of a small church. And uh, he used to prepare the communion every time we had communion. And being the little rugrat, six years old, watching my dad do the communion, and, and it was a small church. And... Uh, after the communion service, you know, he had the, the, the grape juice. We used grape juice and uh, little pieces of uh, bread. I forgot what kind of bread it was. But usually more than half of it was left behind. So when my father would go down to the basement of the church, I'd be throwing back them shots. <laughs> I'd, I'd finish all the... So that's why I turned out so sanctified, because of all that communion. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I just wanted to eat the bread and, 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 and drink the grape juice. I realize now what a precious, glorious thing it is. But uh, I was raised to appreciate the Word of God. And when I started to go astray in my prodigal, temporary insanity, uh, I remember one time, I'm embarrassed to tell you about it, I, gotta, I was sitting in a bar, and they had a Billy Graham crusade on the TV. <laughs> now, here I am, I'm a prodigal, insane person running from God, under conviction all the time, and I'm trying to have a couple of beers, and Billy Graham is preaching. I thought, what kind of a stupid bartender is this? Don't you know how bad for business this is for you to have Billy Graham? And whenever Billy Graham would say, and this is a hallmark of his ministry, the Bible says... Whenever he would say that, my ears would perk up, like some of your ears may perk up also. Because we know when you're quoting the Scripture and when the man of God says, the Bible says, you know what's coming next is going to be worth your attention. And, uh, but we also realize that a lot of people don't, are not affected like that at all. Yes? My wife did not know that I was going to share that same verse. I was, I was waiting until I'd just ramble a little bit longer. I was going to make a big deal out of verse number 71. It is good that I have been afflicted. And I also mentioned, somebody mentioned verse uh, 74, 75, where, 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 where it mentions affliction. It, it's mentioned several times in here. So I might as well tell you now. Uh, I ignored it. I, uh, yeah. I really don't remember. You know, I think that people 
in, in my state of prodigal temporary insanity, you know, I, I heard it. I might have left. I think I might have got out of there and easy to find another bar. They're practically next door to each other, uh, you know, where, where, where I grew up. And uh, that's where I grew up the first time. Where I grew up the second time was much better. I, I grew up the second time in Uvalde before anybody ever heard of it. <laughs> but the first time I grew up in the Northeast, which uh, was, was a completely different uh, way of life. But uh, one of those ways is that there were a lot of bars and they were very close together. And uh, it was a strong Catholic uh, town, so they had to have all the bars to service all of the Catholics uh, before and after Mass, and, uh, <laughs> which they did. <laughs> yeah, or both. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but this 71st verse that my wife just mentioned, uh, it really has had a profound effect on me, and I didn't know. It was also for my wife. But it's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Some of you know, we, we've been going through over the last 15 months the, the worst thing we've ever experienced in our life. It's not normal to lose a child or a grandchild, and it has been so intense. And in this time of personal anguish and affliction, I've had no place else to go but to lean on the Lord and to trust in Him. I prayed in Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And I can tell you, and I just had a breakthrough about three weeks, maybe going on a month ago, where that affliction that was so intense and painful and miserable caused me to lean on the Lord in such a way that I found his grace to be sufficient. Charles Spurgeon that's another thing. When you hear that and you know there's going to be a Spurgeon quote, your ears perk up. Whoop, what did he say? Spurgeon put it this way, and I, it, it may not be an exact quote, but it's a, a, a pretty close paraphrase. He was talking about afflictions and heartaches and hardships. Everybody goes through them. But this is what he said, somewhat quoted. I have learned to appreciate the storms and the raging waves that dash me up against the rock of ages. Woo! Man, that's good stuff. <laughs> dash me up against, thrown me up against it. He'll take care of you. His grace is sufficient. Pardon me for having a little spasm like that, but hey, we just read 176 verses, 171 of which were all about the Word of God. And if you're a Bible lover, uh, and you realize that His grace is sufficient, and the afflictions that He providentially... He knows what's going on. We don't. You know that, that quilt work back there on our back wall? If you could turn that thing completely upside down, you would see a ratty, gnarly mess of threads and yarn and stuff, if, if that's made like I think it is. If you've ever seen somebody making a quilt... We used to have this old lady in our church. I mean, she was in her mid-80s. And I'd go visit her, and she's making quilts. She wasn't even wearing glasses. And I mean, she was... But I would see the, the backside of the quilt, and it was nothing but a bunch of gnarly edges stitched together. When you turn it over, it was so beautifully put together. But when she's working on it, what, what we could see it didn't make any sense. And someone had explained that our lives are kind of like a tapestry or a quilt that all we see is the underside 
or the backside of it, but the Lord sees the finished product. And what we have to do to get there is to trust Him, and it's, it's worth it for us to do that. Amen? Uh, here's something that you need to remember. <laughs> the Bible, as great as it is, <laughs> as sufficient as it is, can do nothing for you if you don't read it. Somebody said, knowledge is power, but only if you use it. If you know something and you don't use it, it's as if you don't know it. For those of us who, okay, this could apply to men and women. In our workshop, men, we have tools. Women have utensils in their kitchen. And you're doing something, you got a recipe, we're building something in the shop. We know we have this tool, but we can't find it. It's as good as if you don't have it, if you can't find it. You're looking for that spatula, you're looking for that, I don't know, kitchen terminology. What's that? A whisk. Yeah, right, a whisk, a spatula, a, a spoon, whatever. And All right, Rosie the Riveter. You go, girl. All right. Yes, yes. And women, women know how to use power tools. That's, that's, uh... So uh, they do not do you any good if you don't read them. Now, all of us have Bibles, right? We, uh, this is my favorite because of the gigantic print size, and it's a nice big size. But uh, if I don't read this, and here's the show and tell part of our lesson today, it is like this. See this? Piece of two by eight. Holy Bible. Even says giant print. <laughs> I did. I fabricated it in my workshop. I took my skill saw and I cut it and I got an approximate measurement of my Bible and it's my own custom Sharpie calligraphy here, which is not too fancy. I wanted to put red letter edition, but I couldn't find a little red Sharpie. I, I want to put red letter edition. I made this for a kid who just graduated from high school at First Pres in Yorktown. I'm going down there. I'm in the rotation of the fill-in preachers at First Presbyterian in Yorktown. They're pulling out of the liberal uh, ranks and they're going eco. So uh, while they're there, somehow God providentially got me into the rotation. Last week when I preached there, they, they had a senior Bible presentation. And I'm looking at the, uh, the bulletin while I'm sitting behind a pulpit and it says, senior Bible presentation. And I didn't know if, you know, grandparents were going to get up and read the Bible or what. I didn't know what a senior Bible uh, uh, thing was. But I found out that they called up this high school senior who just graduated, and he's going to Sam Houston State, and they presented him with the Bible. Well, when I go back three weeks from today, I'm going to bring him this. And I'm going to say, Blake, I'm God. <laughs> last month you were presented with the Bible. I'm going to present you with a visual image of what that Bible you have is if you don't read it. And I want you to put this on your bookshelf. So you'll always see this chunk of wood that will remind you, if you don't read this Bible, it's no more useful than this right here. Does that help? I like it. Actually, I like it so much it's going to be hard to give it away, but I, I could make another one. 
<laughs> I got plenty of two-by-eights laying around, scrap, scrap two-by-eights. Uh, the Bible is, is like that. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's vivid. It's alive. Uh, I heard about a street corner preacher once. Not me. <laughs> not this time. But uh, this guy was trying to get attention as he was preaching on the street corner, and he took his hat off, and he threw his hat on the ground. And he said, watch it! It's alive! It's alive! And everybody was wondering what he had under his hat. And he picked up his hat, and it was a Bible. And he said, it's the living word of God. It's alive. <laughs> I know that might be too corny for some people, but I hope it works for him. But it is really alive. There's, there's things in this word. It, it is unlike any other literature that has ever been produced. And here's one of my favorite uh, facts about Scripture. You can be a fan of any great literature. C.S. Lewis, Shakespeare, whoever. Pick your favorite poet or author, whoever you want. But the Holy Bible, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, supernaturally, is the only literature you could read that when you read it, the author is present with you. <laughs> That's enough to make a Presbyterian shout. I'm telling you. <laughs> Amen. Indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. You better believe it. It is the real deal. So we should always pray before we read it. Something like this. And I'm praying for real. When I'm showing you how to pray, I'm praying, Lord, I want to understand your word more. I need your help. Lord, as you inspired the authors of this book, I pray, Lord, that you would enlighten my eyes, that I can see and perceive and understand. Lord, I need the understanding, the wisdom, the guidance that I know is in here, but I need your help, O oh Lord. Help me, I pray in Jesus' name, for the sake of his eternal coming kingdom. Amen. Now, I, I was praying for real. I'm not pretend praying. If you hear me mention the name of the Lord, I'm not taking his name in vain. I'm talking to him. For real. And uh, there are people who don't do that. I think when we were going through the Ten Commandments, I might have told you uh, the, the best definition of taking the Lord's name in vain that I ever heard. We had a niece when she was about six years old. She's in a Christian school. And uh, they're, they're going through the Ten Commandments. Now, now just imagine two precious little six, seven-year-old girls. And they're going through the Ten Commandments. And, and they get to that verse that says, Thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. So these two seven-year-old girls, six, seven, they turn each other. What does that mean? Take his name in vain. And our niece, Megan, out of the mouth of babes, out of the precious treasure of a pure heart, she said this. She said, that's when you mention his name, but you really don't plan on talking to him. Now, is that profound? And we hear, we hear people say it all the time. Oh, my God. Oh, God. But, of course, the worst thing is, when they mention the name of Jesus Christ. I, uh, in my rapidly advancing years, I can't shut up when I hear someone do that. I was, I was looking at shirts and a hat the other day, and I'm in a store, and, and the woman was, salesperson was getting frustrated with me because I didn't want to buy everything she's trying to sell me. And I said something, I'm giving her wisecracks or something, and, and she said, oh, Jesus. I said, oh, you know him? <laughs> I can tell it went right over her head. 
I said, do you know him? I said, you, you, were, you were calling on the name that's above every name. Do you, do you know who he is? And, and, I, and I think it finally got to her. She said, oh, yes, he's with me all the time. Yeah. Well, if he's with you all the time, how can you casually just throw that name out? That name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Where do you get that from? I get it. Well, that's... I, I can understand that. I think my wife does that very often. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I would be glad to agree with her and say, yes, <laughs> you need the Lord's help, man, so do I. <laughs> we all need the Lord's help. So uh, it is unlikely that any of us are going to memorize the Hebrew alphabet and know all of these. Uh, uh, my Bible has not only how you pronounce the uh, character, the letter, but it also has the actual letter written there. And it's bringing back uh, memories, flashbacks of, of Hebrew and, and, and I can feel my blood pressure going up as I'm, as I'm seeing this. Oh, oh, it was so. But I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I was able to read the Ten Commandments in Hebrew. I'll guarantee you I'll preach for the rest of my life. Those are not suggestions, folks. That's about the most serious declarative statements uh, that we have. When God said, thou shalt not, he meant it. But all of these things that we discuss, that we take for granted, that everybody else knows and believes are not held universally by everybody. When people hear Billy Graham say, the Bible says, they're not moved at all. They say, so what? What's that? That doesn't mean anything to me. These people are dead. You know, we, we have a scriptural zombie apocalypse going on right now. The dead people walking around. They're spiritually dead, deader than a hammer. There's no Bible verse that has quickened them, that has made them come alive. I remember I worked right after I got out of the military for a short while. I was working in an illustration advertising studio through a guy that I knew, and I, I got this job, and uh, this guy was a heathen. Uh, he... And, and me being under conviction all the time, uh, when I would hear, even then, even as a sinner, I, I'd hear people take the Lord's name in vain. It bugged me. I wanted to say something. But when you're a prodigal son, you can't say anything. You can't say, hey, what's wrong with you? <laughs> They'll turn around and say, what's wrong with you? If this is so important, how come you're not living by it? So that kind of shuts you right down, right there. I couldn't say anything, but I wanted to. And I remember, I, I can vividly, and he's probably dead now, so he knows better. But I remember him saying, we were having some conversation about Scripture and about eternal life, and he said, ah, when you're dead, you're dead. You're like a dog, you're dead. And uh, there's a lot of people that, that believe and think just like that. Have any of you seen the commercial that's repeatedly aired on TV for the uh, National Atheist uh, Society or Culture with, with Ron Reagan, President Reagan's son? the one he had with Nancy, he gets on a TV and he says, I'm, I'm Ron Reagan, lifelong, unabashed atheist, and, and I'm telling you this, you know, we're the freedom from religion, which is how our founders intended, which is a lie. They never intended freedom from religion. It was freedom of religion, but these people are twisting it around because they're a liar. The devil's the father of all lies. He's twisting it around, so I try to say, you can't have the Bible anywhere. But what he says at the end is such a, uh, 
such an accosting affront on the integrity of the Word of God. And you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about if you ever see it. And he says, this is Ron Reagan, lifelong, unashamed atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. He says that on national, I've seen it. I'm, I, oh, how horrible. Why is that? I know it's real. I've been taught that all of my life. I've experienced it when the Lord plucked me out of a hell-bound lifestyle that I was in. He gave me a glimpse that I'll never forget, that I never want to feel again. And when we casually hear people making fun of hell or saying, oh, you know, everybody goes through it. No, nobody goes through hell. In fact, I, I was talking to someone the other day uh, from, from Scotland, and he's doing a study on Winston Churchill. What, what a great statesman, smart guy he was. And Churchill said a couple of smart things. But one of the really stupid things he said was, uh, was this. And you'll understand where he was coming from because, you know, he brought England through this great horror of World War II. But his statement of, of note that people quote is, uh, if you're going through hell, keep going. Now, the fallacy to that is that hell is a temporary thing that if you just keep going, you'll get through it. And therein lies the deception that so many people are given over to. That's why there's so many phrases. Oh, this person put me through hell. She made my life hell. I mean, you know, all the, the, the transitory ways that people think that some minor little life situation has been hell. Nothing can be further from the truth. And nobody goes through it. You just keep on going. No, when they get there, they know that is the final destination. There's no way through or out of it. It's horrendous. It's horrible. And only God's people that take the word of God serious know that to be the fact. Heavenly Father, Lord, give us reverence and respect for your word that we might hide it in our hearts, O Lord, that we might not sin against you. Lord, for those of us that are in affliction or will be in some time of our life going through affliction, I pray, Lord, that by your spirit you'll gently guide us to lean on your word and find the answers and comfort that we need, which is all in you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name we agree together. Amen. Amen.